0: Hello, and welcome to For Your Listening Pleasure, a podcast focused on talking with interesting and diverse individuals and discussing how their backgrounds shape them into the people they are today. I am your host, Mallory Waxman. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to be welcoming Roger from Pets for Vets. Pets for Vets is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing a second chance to shelter dogs by rescuing, training, and matching them with American veterans who need a companion pet. It was founded in 2009 to help veterans who were suffering from combat stress and other emotional issues. Each companion dog is rescued in connection with a local animal rescue group. Pets for Vets is one of the two nonprofit organizations that the For Your Listening Pleasure Wordsmith Merchandise Collaboration is benefiting from. And as a reminder, 100% of all proceeds will be going to Pets for Vets and PAW Chicago. Link to purchase your sweatshirt can be found in this episode's show notes. Roger, thank you so much for joining me today. You volunteer for Pets for Vets. For our listeners who don't know much about the organization, why don't you tell us a little bit about how it got started and what its goal is? Sure.
1: So, um... Pets for Vets is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. It was founded by a woman named Clarissa Black. Um, I believe it started out in the West Coast in California and with a mission to provide trained companion animals to our military veterans, especially those that suffer from PTSD and traumatic brain injuries, uh, who can greatly benefit from the power of the human-animal bond. Um, shelter animals who could face euthanasia are specifically selected uh, for each veteran to match the veteran's personality and needs. And professional trainers that we assign to work with each veteran uh, are responsible for assessing and rehabilitating and training animals so that uh, the veteran receives a well-trained companion. And we call them companion animals to differentiate from service dogs. So part of what we do in terms of our our, our mission is to cover all the expenses that are uh, uh, incurred for adopting training and matching the dog with the veteran. And by the way, it's not just limited to dogs. Sometimes it can be a cat uh, or even some other type of animal, but 99% of the animals are dogs because that's what the veterans request. Uh, So we cover all the expenses during that that adoption and training period, including any required veterinary care, and um, on what we call match day, which is when the animal is first delivered to the veteran, we provide a complete supply of equipment and uh, all the supplies that the uh, veteran and their new companion will need to start their new lives together. We also continue working with the, the veterans throughout the life of the pet Uh, to help them uh, obtain low-cost veterinary care and provide any follow-up training at any point if that's needed.
0: How did you get involved with the organization?
1: Well, I first got involved um, when I learned about Pets for Vets from a PBS broadcast, I can still remember, and it was a long time ago, probably 2012, 13, I was watching a PBS broadcast that was devoted to various uh, veterans supporting organizations. And it just so happened that at the time I was interested in, in doing some volunteer work. And it appealed to me to be able to give back to our veterans community, uh, while at the same time helping to find homes for shelter animals. So I reached out and I was uh, connected with a Northwestern graduate student who was in the very early stages of uh, establishing the Chicago Land chapter. Uh, I worked for a number of years helping out in various ways as a volunteer in any way I could, uh, and uh, including attending fundraisers and fostering dogs. Um, while they were in training. And I eventually became chapter director in 2017.
0: When I spoke with Wordsmith, who is the podcast guest that I am collaborating with on this Mm -hmm. endeavor, I knew that one of my goals for this podcast was to raise awareness about various non-for-profits. And when he said, yes, he would love to partner with me, um, to design a piece of merchandise to really raise awareness. Uh, we both agreed animals was a great one to start with. And he had spent some time in Chicago previously, which is how, uh, the other organization besides pets for vets, um, got chosen, which is pause Chicago. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to do pets for vets because I had, um, I've interviewed for the podcast, a few individuals who are veterans, I think that we as a country could do a lot more for those who serve in the military and anyone out there who's listening, who has a pet, you know, how important that pet has been to you, especially the last few years getting through the pandemic. And for those veterans who have PTSD or traumatic brain injuries, to be able to get them a companion that will help them soothe them and be there for them was really important. So I'm excited that half of the overall funds that are raised are going to Pets for Vets because I think it's such an important organization. And I love even more that you help with shelter animals who are possibly going to be euthanized to help them also get a second chance at life.
1: Yeah. Um you know, it's uh, it's really uh, um, a great mission because of that that kind of twofold mission that we have. Uh, we will on occasion get um, contacted by individuals who want to know if we're if we're able to train a dog that a veteran might already have, or if they can donate a dog uh, that could be used to be trained for a veteran. And unfortunately, we can't because we're we're bound by our charter with the national organization, which uh, which describes that we need to source all of the animals that we train uh, from shelters, because that's part of our mission to rescue those animals.
0: So I'm really excited about this. The link is live. I'll, I will post it on our social media and Pets for Vets will do the same. Um, I hope that listeners understand that 100% of the proceeds from this sweatshirt is going to these two organizations. And my goal is at the end of the day that I can write Pets for Vets a check for $5,000 to help. Um, So it's really up to listeners and to those to kind of spread the word. The other thing that I am personally doing is for every listener or anyone who gets the Pets for Vets newsletter, anybody who posts about this, I personally am going to be donating $2 per post. So $1 will be able to go to Pets for Vets. One will be able to go to Pause for every post that someone tags the For Your Listening Pleasure podcast in. So that's just something for listeners to know that we are really trying to raise as much as we can for these two amazing organizations. Um, Roger, can you talk about what is it like when a vet gets their pet? Do they pick? How does that work? Do they get to have training before they go home? What's that process look like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So we have a... A specified process that we we have to follow, um, and it's been developed over the years by the national organization. Um, and by the way, the the um, founder, who I mentioned, Clarissa Black, uh, is uh, by training a wildlife biologist and has trained and trained ra- uh, dogs for her whole career. And uh, so the the uh, procedures that we follow have been very carefully put together. And the way it works is that when we receive an application from a veteran, um, the uh, application is assigned to one of the professional dog trainers that we have on staff. And at that point, the trainer takes over and is uh, is assigned an assistant trainer slash scribe, we call them, to work together with them. Um, I kind of step away, I, I and the other Administrative staff, and we very. By the way, we have a very small administrative staff, and all of us, all of the administrative staff, including myself, are unpaid volunteers, uh, and, and and that's so that we can ensure that any donations that we receive go specifically to uh, adopting, training, and placing animals with veterans. Uh, so once the the trainer begins working with a veteran, they spend a couple weeks. Um, you know, basically just getting to know the veteran through a series of phone calls and face-to-face visits. And that concludes with a home visit where the trainer and uh, will actually go to the veteran's home uh, to see what kind of environment they live in, because that obviously matters for the type of dog and size of dog that uh, is going to be a good fit for them. And um, once they get through that process, which can take is anywhere from several weeks to several months, because they work um, basically at according to the veteran schedules, and that can, that can vary depending on the, the veteran. Um, once that process is completed, then the uh, trainer begins to look for uh, a dog that they think will be a good, uh, a good match. And there's a, uh, there's a process that they follow to try to um, make that as successful as possible, which involves a, a detailed assessment that's done with the dogs that they consider at the various shelters that they will, that they will work with. Um, we have relationships, uh, our chapter, when I say we are our, our chapter, Chicagoland chapter has relationships with several, um, large shelters in the area. One is uh, Hinsdale Humane Society, and the other is Chicago Anti-Cruelty Society. And so they, they, we have a partnership with them where they're willing to help us locate animals, uh, and, um, enable the trainer to come in and assess the animal before they make the decision to adopt the animal. Uh, And that's done again, to try to ensure that it's gonna be a good match for the veteran. Uh, Once the, if the animal passes the assessment process, then we adopt the animal into the Pets for Vets organization. We immediately place it with a foster family. Uh, And the foster family keeps the dog while it's in training. In some cases, sometimes the trainers themselves are able to uh, foster the dog, but usually they, they can't because most of the trainers that we have on staff have their own dog training businesses and they most of them already have several dogs. And so uh, so that's one of the, the key things we have to do um, on the administrative side is help the trainers uh, uh, find uh, foster families that live close enough to where the trainer lives or works so that they can get to the dog a couple times a week to do the training. And then hopefully the foster will also be willing to reinforce the training as the dog goes through that. Um, that training process can take anywhere from, from six to 12 weeks or more, uh, depending on the animal itself and what kind of training the, uh, the dog needs. That training can vary depending on the, what the veteran's needs are. Uh, as I mentioned, we don't trade service dogs. And that's important for people to keep in mind because some veterans, usually, vet, uh, usually individuals and veterans that have some type of physical disability are, uh, are better suited to receive a service animal, which are the animals people think of that have the vests and can go on public transportation. That's not what we provide. We provide, and we call them companion animals because um, they don't receive the same level of training as service animals. Service animals, by the way, can receive up to a year of training. Uh, so it's significantly, a you know, a much uh, greater degree of training because of what they have to be able to do. Um, but so typically our training, uh, I would say on average, takes uh, anywhere from a couple months to sometimes uh, three, three to four months. Uh, once the training is completed, we schedule what we call match day. And that's actually the first time the veteran will actually will meet the dog. And a lot of people are puzzled by that. Um, and in fact we 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 address that with each veteran right at the beginning of the process because some of them expect that they might be involved with being able to select the dog before it's adopted and might be involved with uh, with the training as well and uh, again, some people struggle with why we do it the way we do, but there's a reason for that, and that is that um <clears throat> uh, it becomes very difficult uh, if the veteran. Is involved with selecting a specific animal because we're everybody by human nature, people tend to want a certain color dog uh, or a certain breed of dog. And we're not ab- able to do that because of the fact that we have to source our dogs from shelters because we want to rescue the animals. So we can't guarantee to a veteran that they're going to receive a, you know, a black lab, for example, or any specific breed. Um, that's that's one reason. So we don't want um, so, by doing it the way we do, it prevents the veteran from getting attached to a vision of an animal they're going to get and what uh, Petrovets has learned over the years is that um, <clears throat> uh, once we have match day and we deliver that animal to the veteran, <clears throat> uh, it doesn't matter what color the dog is the the veteran and the animal bond and and they uh and they connect and uh and so that's. Uh, the, the important thing uh, in terms of what we do is that that we're delivering a well-mannered, well-trained dog. Because in an animal that's not well-trained, and anybody that has ever had a dog knows that it's not necessarily going to make your life better. It could make it more difficult. So that's really the key to what we do. And we found over the years that um, once the veteran receives the animal, you know, doesn't matter what it looks like, they they bond with it right away.
0: I'm smiling. I'm just so excited to partner with you guys. I think it's such an amazing thing that you guys do. And just even hearing the time and energy that goes into making sure that the animal will be the best for the veteran and vice versa. Um, if there are people who are able to foster, how would they go about raising their hands or if they want to help?
1: Oh, I'm I'm really glad you asked that because fosters um, are the two key um, people that we have on our staff, as I've already alluded to are the trainers and the foster families, Uh, and uh, they can be somewhat challenging to recruit. Um, We're fortunate right now that we have five uh, professional dog trainers on our staff, um, but it's actually not enough. Um, We would like to get up to uh, at least seven or eight trainers to cover the Chicagoland area alone. Um, and then foster families are key because uh, the challenge with foster families, as I mentioned, is that for, for it to work logistically, the foster has to be located close enough to each, where each one of our trainers is so that they can visit the dog, you know, two or three times a week. So. You know, typically logistically, that means they need to be within about a half hour, no more than a half hour drive. Uh, so that's where it becomes difficult. We get some people to contact us and would love to be a foster, but they're just not in, in the right area. Uh, so it, it's actually become more of a challenge for us to find fosters than it has been to find um, a trainers. In fact, we, are, we currently have a need for a foster in the Juliet area, uh, Juliet slash Romeoville area. That we've been looking for. Um, and then we have a, a need for a foster uh, in the West Suburban area, um, uh, in the, uh, the kind of Naperville, Wheaton area. Um, <clears throat> so if anyone's interested in, in, in fostering, uh, they can contact us uh, through the website, com, uh, And uh, they'll there's a form that they would fill out in terms of how they would uh, like to help and what they'd be able to do. And that would get directed to us. And um, uh, that's something that is always in, we always have in demand.
0: Well, how about this moving forward, besides this partnership, when you guys need fosters, you let me know and I'll post about it in hopes that getting the word out to listeners or just on social media Um, I think it's always helpful the more you post about something or get the word out, um, hopefully will help with getting more fosters and being able to provide more um, companion dogs to veterans.
1: That would be great.
0: Great. Um, Roger, I want to thank you for your time. I'm so excited to work with you. Um, Listeners, we will be posting everything about Pets for Vets and uh, the collaboration and kind of letting you know uh, where things go, but the link now is live. I'm excited to say, and again, as a reminder, if you post it, please tag for your listening pleasure in it. You can also tag me personally, mallie 4 in, on Instagram or on LinkedIn, Mallory Waxman or on Facebook. And I will keep track of all of those reposts. And I will be personally donating $2 to the overall cause per post. Thank you so much, Roger. I wanted to go ahead. And since every interview I ended the same exact way, I'm going to do the same with you and ask you the same final three questions. So if you had a quote or a mantra that you live by, what would that be?
1: Uh, I guess my personal mantra would be seize the day. Carpe Diem.
0: I love that one. Um, If you could relive any one day, which day would you choose?
1: Wow. Well, I suppose um, I'm I'm at the age where I've actually been kind of looking back on my life a little bit. So (laughs) uh, I suppose it would be a day many, many years ago, back when I I graduated from college and I decided to begin a career in corporate management. Um, I, if I had it to do it over again, I would instead steer myself towards more of an entrepreneurial career, which is what I've ended up pursuing rather late in life for about the last 10 years anyway, and which I find to have been much more fulfilling. Um, it's given me the flexibility and time to do, um, things that, uh, are beyond my normal work day, like being involved with pets for vets. And, uh, uh, in my case, at least corporate life seemed to have a way of sucking up all my time and energy. So I'm sure that's not true for everybody, but that's that's what I would do differently.
0: I would say uh, in all the interviews, everyone starts in that corporate um, lane and very quickly decides it's not for them and detours out. So you definitely learn some lessons, but I think you also learn what doesn't work for you, which is just yeah, w- important.
1: Yeah, I wish I would have detoured out a little sooner. That's all. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I get that. The final question is, if you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, which song would you choose?
1: This one was easy. This is easy. I Never Need Get Old by Nathaniel Redliff.
0: Great. So that song will be added to the overall For Your Listening Pleasure theme song playlist that's on Spotify. So listeners can think of um, you when they hear that song. And I hope that that leads them to learn more about Pets for Vets. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you hopping on and telling all of us a little bit more about Pets for Vets.
1: Well, thank you, Mallory. This has been great.